You're listening to The Brook in Madison, Alabama. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, the Apostle Paul quotes from Genesis chapter 2, and he says, Therefore, a man will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Everything that, that I prayed for or even desired is in Cody, and then things that are way above anything I could have prayed for. I always pictured being married to someone creative and musical, and you know, that's a dream that I've had since I was a kid. When you're in the middle of waiting, you think it's the longest season. Every part of waiting was so worth it because I know that I married the man of God that God had for me. You can trust the dreams that are in your heart. Life is really amazing because it's the person that I, I dreamed about being with, you know? Looking back, I don't think I could have painted it to be this perfect. There's nothing about this wedding that's going to be normal. And the reason this wedding is not going to be normal is simple. Cody and Carrie are not normal. And I mean that with all due respect. These two have waited, they've saved, and they've sacrificed to ensure that this day, this dream, would become a reality. Today, here in this ceremony, I believe they're going to see God's response to their faithfulness. of you have been given public gifts, gifts that minister to a lot of people. Proud of you because it's not the gifts you have, because the way you steward the gifts. But today, he gives each of you a gift that's just for you. The way you love is you give. For God so loved the world he gave. And my prayer for you, my blessing, is that you'll always value this gift more than the other gift that you have. But this gift will be the most important gift that God's ever given you. I believe the exchanging of names is very significant. Before you were formed in the womb, God knew you. He knew who you were, he knew who you would become, and I believe that he led us as parents what to name you. 
because it was so significant. You see, Carrie, today there's more happening here than just the changing of your last name. God is taking who you are and who Cody is, and he's joining you together as one. Today, we don't just celebrate two becoming one. Today, we celebrate three becoming one. Lord, you've been waiting for the day of this covenant since the beginning of time. As we witness Cody's love for Carrie and Carrie's love for Cody, may we even more get a greater revelation of your love for us. I don't know if you know who Carrie Joe, Cody Carnes are. They lead worship all over the place. But I don't know them and they don't know me, but I'm not going to lie. I really kind of wish I'd been invited to their wedding. Because <laughs> that looked like a pretty cool time right there. The thing I love most about this video, though, is this statement at the beginning and the end. The day the waiting met the promise. The day the waiting meets the promise. That's, that's really what a wedding is all about. Um, many brides spend months, some possibly years, preparing for their wedding day. Got to get, you know, a dress and the right cake and flowers. I've never seen so many flowers, you know. You you have to take care of all this. You have to make sure that all those other people, they've got the right clothes and who are we going to invite, who are we purposely not going to invite. I mean, there's just a lot to think about, you know. But when that day comes, it can be one of incredible, immense joy, um, something that you've looked forward to your whole life if you're prepared, if, if you've prepared for it. There are these videos out now. I don't know if you've seen them. Um, there's like a series of them on YouTube. Not that I've watched them or anything. Um, they're called Get Ready With Me. And they're now not only making videos of just like a wedding ceremony. Um, a lot of brides are having like these mini movies made of their entire day leading up to the wedding ceremony. It's a big deal. Uh, it, it, it's one of incredible... Um, remembrance, again, if you've prepared for it. You know, but more than, than a dress, cake, flowers, more than guests, bridesmaids, groomsmen, the one thing 
that that bride is actually preparing herself for more than any other is for her groom. She's preparing herself for her groom, for him to come and sweep her off her feet forever. And I know that sounds real fairy tale-ish, but I use that word forever on purpose because the promise and the vows made, they're really only valid in the days after. They're, they're really only valid in the days after when you actually keep them. Go back with me for a moment into Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, and listen to what Paul says. Again, he quotes from Genesis chapter 2, Therefore a man will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. But now listen to what Paul says. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Friends, please hear this this morning. The, the ultimate purpose of marriage on this earth is the magnification of Jesus Christ. The ultimate purpose of marriage between a man and a woman is the magnification of Jesus Christ. Marriage here that we experience, it's a shadow. Christ and his bride, the church, are the reality. Last week, we talked about the truth that we are the body of Christ. Well, this morning, we're going to examine the truth that we are also the bride of Christ. And we don't know the exact time, the exact date that the groom's coming. We, we don't know for sure, but we know that he is coming. And so we live in this anticipation and readiness of that day when the waiting is finally going to meet the promise. Jesus shares this truth in a parable that he tells called the parable of the ten virgins or the parable of the ten bridesmaids. And I want us to take a look at that this morning in Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25. Look with me, Matthew 25 verse 1. Jesus said, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight... There was a cry, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So here Jesus is telling one more parable about the kingdom of heaven. 
the kingdom of God. And in this parable, Jesus explains to us that he is not just a king, he is a betrothed king. He has been given to someone. He's engaged, if you will. And soon he will be a married king. He came the first time to pay the dowry for his bride. And his dowry wasn't like seven cows or all of his savings. His dowry was his blood and his life, and he paid it in full. And he will come again for his bride for us. And that's what this parable is about. Understanding this parable, it helps us to understand a little bit more about Jewish wedding and marriage customs. There's kind of three parts with the Jewish marriage. The the first is what we would call the engagement. And that's when a man would come and say, will you marry me? And hopefully she says, yes, I will. Now in Jesus's day and time, there was probably a lot more of fathers meeting to have their son and daughter agreed upon to be married. But either way, the engagement was this agreement. Well, the time after the engagement leading up to the wedding, this is the time of betrothal. This is that period of waiting. And then finally comes the wedding. Well, on the day of the wedding, the groom would journey to the bride's house. And when he got there, the wedding ceremony would take place. And then the bride and the groom and the entire wedding party would go back to the groom's home for a celebration or feast. Now, I don't know if you've had enough coffee yet this morning, but did you catch what I just said? Do you understand the spiritual reality that the groom is going to come and he's going to meet his bride where she is, the wedding will take place, and then the whole wedding party will return to his home for a celebration. Jesus is trying to tell us something here. And so in his story, there are these 10 bridesmaids, and they represent the church. But to be more specific... These 10 bridesmaids, they actually represent everyone who claims to be a follower of Christ. Everyone who claims to be a child of God. Now, again, Jesus tells a lot of parables. It's important to to say this is not an allegory. And I don't know if you're familiar with allegories, but in an allegory, everything gets personified. And so don't look through the parable trying to make something of every little detail. When Jesus tells a parable, the thing that he wants us to do more than anything else is to keep our eyeball on the big picture, okay? Uh, An example of what I mean, the number of bridesmaids in this parable, it's probably incidental. It wouldn't have mattered if Jesus had said there were 12 of them, okay? Now, I think Jesus said 10 for a reason, but it's not something that we need to sit here and spend eight to 10 minutes getting all theologically hung up on. We want to stay focused on the big picture. So the number of bridesmaids doesn't really matter. What does matter is the decisions and the choices that the bridesmaids made. That's crucial. So as a bridesmaid, in this day and time, in this instance, there was one responsibility they had more than any other, 
And that was essentially to welcome the groom, to make a way of procession for the groom. And so they all had lamps. They all had lamps. Not only would their lamps serve as a way of procession for the groom, it would also have been a signification that I am part of the wedding party. So obviously, it's an important thing for each of those bridesmaids to have their lamp with them. Yes? Yes. But now, I think you'd agree with me, if it's important for me to have my lamp with me, it's probably also important that I bring the oil or the fuel that would allow me to actually light it. We'll come back to that in just a minute. So Jesus, he gets into this and he says in verse 5 that the bridegroom was delayed. The bridegroom was delayed. That doesn't happen very often, does it? Somebody's going to be in trouble if the groom gets delayed. Matthew 24 and 25 are all one. And this is an instance where before Jesus is going to go back into Jerusalem, knowing that he's going to be betrayed, arrested, crucified, he goes with the disciples up onto the Mount of Olives. And he begins talking to them really about one thing more than any other, his return. Guys, stay alert. This is what it's going to be like. And Within that discourse, there are five times, and this is the fifth one, where Jesus brings up this delay that's going to take place. It's going to seem like maybe I've forgotten about you. It's going to seem like maybe, maybe the Father's just reneged on the whole promise. But Jesus is saying, do not grow weary in the waiting. Peter, who would have been up there, who would have been sitting there and listening to Jesus, look with me in 2 Peter chapter 3. Listen to what he writes. 2 Peter 3 verse 8. Peter says, Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. Peter is saying time, time is irrelevant to God. God does not look at your Seiko and go, uh-oh, we're in trouble. Time is not to him the way it is to us. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some would consider slowness. But he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. It's going to seem like I'm delayed. It's going to seem at times like maybe I have forgotten, but that is not the case. The father is very, very intentional in his waiting. So the bridegroom is delayed. And what happens? The bridesmaids get drowsy and they all fall asleep. Come on, ladies. But hey, before we go dogging on the bridesmaids, Jesus is not trying to tell us that they were all lazy and apathetic and fell asleep on the job. What Jesus is saying is that in the waiting, life must go on. Life must go on. During the waiting, uh, this doesn't mean that we all, let's just meet on a mountaintop and let's get in a circle and build a fire and hold hands and look toward the sky and let's just stare and wait. And any second now, Jesus is going to crack it open and he's going to come back. Not if you do that. Jesus is saying, you need to carry on. You need to live 
eat, sleep, work. You need to carry on the mission of God, all while doing that, anticipating and preparing for my return because I will return. The bridegroom was delayed. They grew weary. They fell asleep. And then look what happened. At midnight, here he comes. Now, why did Jesus pick midnight? Because once again, Jesus is trying to communicate to us, it's not going to be when anybody expects it. You know what? If you are ever in need and you need to come to my house at midnight, come. But I promise you, I will not be expecting it. You just don't expect that. And Jesus is saying, when, when everybody had just kind of fallen asleep, boom, the bridegroom came. They're all suddenly awakened. He's here. He's here. Come out to meet him. And so all the bridesmaids take off running. They're trimming their lamps. They're getting ready to light them up. And something happens. Half of the bridesmaids, they got a, a lamp they got no light. They're not getting any flame. There's nothing to burn there. They're all, all of them, they're all dressed appropriately. You know, these ladies aren't like the guy in our parable weeks and weeks ago who snuck into the wedding feast, but he didn't have on the right clothes. They looked right. They all had a lamp. But be certain of this, they are not all alike because they are not all prepared. This is the whole point of the parable. These bridesmaids, they are not by any stretch of the imagination all alike because they are not all prepared. I think some of you would be honest this morning and admit there's been a time or two in your life when you've been unprepared. Anybody? I'm in there. I'm in the club might even be president. It happens. On more than one occasion, I've been very, very grateful that my gym just down the road from here has this little magic thing on the wall of every shower that has this magic substance in it that you're supposedly able to clean your hair, face, body, anything with. Because on more than one occasion, I've forgotten my shampoo. I've forgotten my soap. And so thank you, Planet Fitness, I do not have to leave stinky. Now, if you forget your underwear, different story. I didn't say I did, but let's say that tomorrow, students, one of you goes to school and you get there and you look in your backpack and, oh my gosh, I forgot to tell my parents, I need more paper and pen. I don't know, if, do y'all use paper and pen anymore? Okay. <laughs> I forgot my paper and pen. Well, so what do you do? You find your friend and you go, hey, can I borrow some paper and pen? They say, absolutely. That's what friends are for. And they give you a paper and some pen, some pen and paper. You know what I mean? In those moments in our life, we do what we all do. We mooch. I mean, we, we take advantage of the fact that my friend was prepared. She's going to help me out. Okay. Yes, Jesus is telling a parable here. But Jesus is speaking about spiritual realities. The fact that the wise bridesmaids won't give the other bridesmaids oil. This is not Jesus saying that the wise bridesmaids were selfish or Jesus encouraging us to be selfish. 
what Jesus is trying to explain to us here is that it is impossible to borrow someone else's faith. It's impossible. It's impossible for me to borrow your obedience or your faithfulness. Thank the Lord my friend's been faithful. I'll just, I'll just mooch off of some of his. It, it doesn't really work that way. Let's go back to the school illustration. Yeah, if I show up without my pen and paper, I can borrow that. But if I show up tomorrow and, oh, I have a history test and I've forgotten all about it. I cannot, for more than one reason, find my friend Chip and say, Chip, man, you studied for the history test, right? Put your head right up against mine, okay? And I want you to think about history for just a few minutes. Just, oh yeah, bring it on over. It, it, it doesn't work. You can't do that. You can't borrow certain things. The wise bridesmaid says, there won't be enough for us and for you. We don't have enough faith for us and for you. We can't give you our obedience. Yes, we were prepared, but we can't do anything about the fact that you weren't. The foolish bridesmaids appeared to be religiously, socially, intellectually, even emotionally committed to the groom, right? And remember here, Jesus is speaking about spiritual realities, The fact is, they were not in their hearts committed to the groom. His return and everything that he had done to make the wedding possible, they just weren't sold on it because they weren't ready for him to show up. Let's talk in spiritual terms here. Their hearts and lives had not been transformed by his grace and mercy. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 5, Timothy, look out because there are going to be people that have a form of godliness. They appear to be godly and spiritual, but they actually deny its power. You see, that's what we look like. That's who we are when we go through religious motions, but we fail to understand that the spirit of the living God has come to indwell us and and completely transform our life. They had a form of godliness, but they denied its power. James says in James 2.17, they had the appearance of faith. It all looked good, but it was dead because it, it didn't live itself out. When Christ returns, church, please grab a hold of this, there's not going to be any eloping. There, there will not be any, uh, any last calls. Jesus has come. He has said, I am coming again. And we who belong to him oftentimes maybe grow weary and thinking, man, when are you coming back? And he is saying, hey, I'm not dragging my feet, neither is the Father. The Father is waiting because there are those who do not yet know him. And he is giving all opportunity, all opportunity for them to hear the good news and to trust the good news and to know that he has come for them. Jesus will return for his people, his church, his bride. He will return for the prepared 
Look what he says here, verse 10. Those who were ready went into the wedding feast and the door was closed behind them. There are going to be many that say, Lord, hey, 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 open the door to us. Open up. And Jesus says that his response is going to be, I have to be painfully honest with you. I don't know you. I don't know you. But I, I, was, I was part of the church. I, I was here. I had my lamp. It was shiny. Everything looked right. But there's no oil in it. It, it wasn't actually lit. It wasn't actually burning. There was no light. Friends, the only way it gets lit is through the saving grace and mercy of the groom himself. Jesus says, so stay awake and be prepared. You do not know the day or the hour of my return. Go back with me for a moment into 2 Peter. Let's look at this scripture again. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, Peter says, Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. But the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, like many of you might think about slowness. He is being patient <clears throat> toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Friends, it may seem like the groom's been delayed. It may seem at times like he's just forgotten. But that is not the truth. The father, the father is waiting and giving every opportunity for everyone to join the wedding party. Everyone. He gave his life, his blood as the payment for us. He says, I've come that you might have life to the fullest. I've come to make all things new. I would ask you this morning, in, in the time of preparing yourself, is your life still being transformed? I'm not asking you, did you pray a prayer years and years ago and invite Jesus into your heart? I got to be honest with you this morning, that's not in the Bible. What is in the Bible is you and I laying our lives down at his feet in constant surrender which it manifests itself in us living these lives of anticipation and preparation that he is coming. I, I love the look on Carrie Job's face in that video when you could see her flowers and her face and everything just trembling because she's just been waiting for that moment her whole life. 
the, the things that we feel and anticipate over Jesus ought to make that look like nothing. We live in this anticipation that Jesus is coming back. Be ready. Are you ready? We, we got a wedding to prepare for. It's a big one. And, and, and when it happens on that day, the waiting, it will finally meet the promise. Are you ready? Let's get ready. Let's live lives that say we are constantly waiting and anticipating on mission for God, anticipating your return, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we ask this morning as your people that you would maybe restore in us, revive in us. Lord, that you would ignite in us the joy of our salvation. Lord, that you would give us hearts that just desperately long for you. Lord, we ask this morning that if there's unconfessed sin in our life that you would very gently but Lord very clearly lead us to a place of confession and repentance Lord if there's bitterness or broken relationships God that you would lead us to a place of stepping out in faith to walk toward forgiveness and healing Lord, if, if there are opportunities or there are trials even that right now you are asking us to step out, God, we pray that you would give us courage and trust. But Lord, we pray that if there's anyone here this morning that at this moment in time doesn't know you, has never put their faith and trust in you, Lord, we pray that you would draw their heart. In this moment, just allow the Spirit of God to speak to you.
Lord, give us the courage, the faith, that whatever you're asking of us, whatever you're leading us to do, Lord, our answer would be yes. If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in just a minute when we stand to sing, some of our our pastors, our elders, our leaders are going to be in the back at the tables. They would love to talk with you, pray with you. But we want you to know more than anything today that the God of the universe loves you with an unshakable love. So much so that he gave his son If you're here today and you are a Christian, maybe you would just along with me pray, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would shake my heart and my life as if it was the very first day that I ever met you. Lord, remind me that I was lost. Lord, remind me that I was in rebellion, Lord, remind me that I was dead in my sin, Lord, so that I may be overwhelmed again with the joy and the hope that I am now alive and set free. Lord Jesus, you are king of kings. You are the king eternal. And we lift you up and exalt you. We pray that our lives would glorify you. And Lord, because of that, that our songs would make much of who you are and what you've done. Spirit of the living God, we pray that you would fall fresh on us. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's stand together and worship. Thanks for listening to The Brook. If you'd like more information about our church or what it means to follow Christ, you can visit our website at thebrookchurch.com.